You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Why don't you, not because it's Mother's Day, but specifically because God laid a message on her heart, I want you to put your hands together and welcome Jay. He's going to share with us. Come on, babes. Clothed in dignity and strength. Come on. Well, it is Mother's Day. And I have got a message, I feel like, that is from the mother heart of God, which kind of sounds like a weird thing to say because God has a mother's heart. Yeah, he has a mother's heart and he has a father's heart. He understands both sides of the coin, which um, we don't, but we learn from each other, don't we? (laughs) I don't fully understand what it is to have a father's heart, but I do understand what it is to have a mother's heart. And I'm sure Chad will say, (laughs) he's got no idea what goes on in my mind. (laughs) So I do feel like I've got a message laid on my heart and um, it came about, about three weeks ago, I woke up at about 3am and I was sweating. My heart was racing and I was like, oh my goodness, I think I'm having a bit of an anxiety attack here. And it came about because of an event that had happened the previous day. Now I often wake up at three o'clock in the morning, that's not an unusual thing. The previous day, I had been shopping in Woolworths. Oh my goodness, can you imagine mother of four shopping in Woolworths? I mean, I go there once a week. Yeah, you'll laugh at me. Yeah, right, you go there once a week to do my big shop. I go there once a week to do my big shop and it lasts me two days. What is with that? Teenage boys, I tell you what. Anyway, so... Obviously, I often end up in Woolworths. And on this particular day, I was there. It was school holidays. And I had the the grocery trolley packed and I had Zoe in the front. And I was lining up and waiting very patiently. And as I know very patiently in the school holidays, I was. You'd be proud of me. As I stood there, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a little boy. Now, that's not a strange thing in Woolies. But it was strange to me because he had in his mouth a lollipop and he was stuffing his pockets with lollies. Again, not a strange thing for a probably three-year-old to do, but strange that nobody was stopping him. And so I watched him for a little bit and I had a look around. I'm like, does he have any parents with him? Anyone looking after him? And he didn't seem to, but every now and then he would run off down the aisle. And so I thought, well, he's going back to see somebody but then he kept coming back and so as my time grew on it was probably about five minutes before I got to the where I got to unload my groceries and so I get there and I say to the guy at the checkout I'm like look just can you just look look after Zoe for a second I'm just going to go check this out and so he's he's kind of like okay and so I run off and I go to the little boy and I'm like mate where's your mum or your dad And he runs off down the aisle to some people. And I'm like, okay, I've kind of misread this situation. And so I just leave him and and keep unloading my groceries. And then he's back there again. And something inside of me is like, I don't like this situation. There's something not quite right. But because I had now started to ask the people around me, what do you think? And they kept responding, no, he seems all right. No, he seems to be... He was of a different nationality to me, I assume. He looked different to what I did. And it was easy to tell who his 
potential parents were. That's all I'm going to say without getting myself into trouble. But anyway, the woman behind me, I said to her, I said, who, who do you think that little boy is with? And she pointed to someone like two, three aisles down who was absolutely not watching this child at all. And because he maybe looked like he was from a similar country, she goes, I'm, he's with him. And I'm like, nah. But anyway, I kept going and I kept shopping. And um, I am getting somewhere with this story. I am. I truly am. I kept going and I kept shopping, uh, kept putting my things through. And I said to the guy on the register, I said, I think you need to call someone. I think you need to get a manager because I'm really concerned about this child. He doesn't seem to be with anyone. So now I'm like loading my groceries and then I'd run off to the little boy and then I'd load my groceries. But I'm not fully giving him my attention because I'm just not sure. And, and I'm not sure if I take a hold of this child's hand and whisk him off somewhere, am I like stealing someone's child? <laughs> anyway, time goes on and I keep an eye on him and the guy on the checkout is keeping an eye on him and we're trying to get a manager over. And it comes to the time where I pay for my groceries. And so I handed my money over and at that period of time, he went missing. And I'm like, oh no, he's out of my sight. And so I start to head over to the manager's office or, or where they are just on the other side of where you enter Woolworths. And just as I did that, I saw a mother come running in. She obviously was of the same nationality. And I said to her, are you missing your child? And she said, yes, yes. And, and now my heart is racing because her heart is racing. And I said to her, is he little, is he a boy? Maybe three. She goes, yes, yes. I'm like, he is in here. I have been watching him. To which I think... That's probably not good enough. But anyway, this is where the embarrassing part of the story begins. Like a mad woman, with my grocery shopping trolley full, with Zoe in the front, I am on a mission. We are finding this child. And I say to her, you go that way, I'll go this way, we will find your boy. And so I go running right around the edges of the Woolworths aisles, right down to the bottom corner, and I start my journey because I'm doing the bottom, she's doing the top. And as I'm going along at full speed, I'm telling the people who are stacking the shelves, there is a child missing, you've got to find the child. Come on, have a look with me. And so I am flying down the aisles and I'm looking and I can see the mum and I'm connecting with her and I'm flying down and I am going to find that child. Except I get to the end and I go through all the fruit and veg section and he is nowhere. And now... I'm really unimpressed with myself. And so I go running out of the shop with my trolley and I think, where would a child of this age go? God, speak to me now. And I look at the mum who's out there with me and she's like, have you found him? I'm like, no. I said, but I will. I'll be back in a minute. And she waits there with the manager. And so I go looking at the places where a child would go. I find him. And thankfully, when I say to him, I know where your mummy is, he takes a hold of my hand. <laughs> I'm really grateful for this because I know what three-year-olds can do. <laughs> Don't take me. Anyway, I take a hold of his hand and I take him to the manager and to the mum and together they're reunited. And in that moment, a combination of excitement and frustration overwhelm me all at once. And I look at the manager and I'm like, where were you? We called for you. And this poor lady's like, I had no idea. And the mum's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And I don't know what happened after that because I was just in shock and I walked away. But I tell you this story for this reason. In the morning at three o'clock, I woke up and I was sweating. And all of a sudden I thought, if they have captured this on CCTV footage, and there is someone out there saying that, can, do you know the woman who ran out of the shop with a, a trolley full of goods? And it looked like I hadn't paid. It just looked like I just ran out of the shop really fast. You know, all these things started going off in my imagination. And I was like, oh my goodness. Can you only imagine? As I woke up, I was in a dream and that picture was playing of what would have it looked like on the CCTV footage. And I just had this voiceover going on. It was a comedy act, I tell you. But fear and joy kept flooding my body. Fear and joy. Fear and joy. And I just felt like God say, you know, you've just experienced something of my mother's heart. The moment that I met up with that mother, there was an urgency that came within me that I hadn't experienced prior to that. And that's something really important I want to share with you this morning. It was in that moment that God just started speaking to me about the shepherd and the lost sheep. Do we know this story? In Luke 15. Now, that's not a story that I often think about. That's, that's not something that would naturally come to my mind. So I thought, all right, I've got my ears open and I'm ready to listen. So let me share with you the parable of the lost sheep. You ready? Luke 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This story is how Jesus talks to the Pharisees and the sinners and he helps them to understand that the kingdom of heaven is so much different than how they view the world. And so I want to start with this story and use this story to bring out some points that I feel like God wants to highlight this morning, starting with my story. Are we good with that? So my first point is this. It is not that I'm a crazy woman, (laughs) but I am, a little. First point is this. God wants you, God wants us, those who know him, to be prepared to have our life interrupted. Do you know, when I reflected back on my situation, I had every opportunity to to stop my shopping and to go and to take that little boy to the manager and say, let's put an announcement over the speaker. I had every opportunity. But I was trying to do both things at once. And somehow in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit within me I wasn't allowing him to be the voice that I fully heard. I was hearing a little bit, but I was like kind of going, well, what's everyone else around me thinking? Have you ever done that? This is such a simple illustration, but I really get the feeling that God is wanting to infiltrate more and more our everyday 
lives and he kind of wants to give us a plan for how that can unfold. You know, those of us who have done um, first aid and resus, we know that there's a doctor ABC. These are the things that you follow in case of an emergency. And I feel like more and more God is wanting to just in our everyday lives give us the tools so that we can have a doctor ABC. All right, Holy Spirit has just interrupted me. What do I do now? First of all, the first thing, the very first thing we need to do is just to be aware of the Holy Spirit and allow his interruption. I had every opportunity to just stop what I was doing, to say to the man, please just hold on to my groceries. I will be back in 20 minutes. But until then, I'm going to go with this young boy and make sure that he knows where his parents are. We need to be people who are prepared to have our life interrupted. And this story of the shepherd that goes out and looks for the sheep, that is exactly what happened. He was on his way. He had 99 good sheep who were following. And yet he goes, you know what? Whilst I'm on a journey and I've got 99 good sheep, I stop. I'm going to leave them. And I go back into the wilderness and I find that sheep. And not only do I find that sheep, but I pick it up on my shoulders and I celebrate and I have a party with my friends. Because that sheep was once lost, but now it is found. And now I have all my sheep. That is the father heart of God. He has called us to have our lives interrupted so that others can be found. The second point, or the second thing that really stood out clear to me after that event was one that is also related to the story that follows the lost sheep, and that is the story of the lost coin. There's a woman, and Chad brought it up earlier, there's a woman who has ten coins, and she loses one. She still had nine, but she lost one. So she puts the nine aside, and she goes, and she searches her whole house. What did I do with this coin? Where is it? Until she finds that one coin. Do you know that a coin, even though it is lost, is still valuable? It still holds the same value. A coin has stamped upon it the face of the one that created it. It still belongs. It still has value. It's just lost. But that coin is just as important as the other nine that are found. And as I stood there in that supermarket, I realized in the reflection, I'm not proud of it, so you can learn from my mistake. But the moment that I asked the shop assistant to call for help, to call for the manager, I handed over my authority to somebody else. I expected that the manager would come help out the situation, that she would come to me, that he would come to me, and this situation would change instead of taking the hand of the boy and saying, come with me to the manager and together we will find help for you. It was only as I found myself kind of getting frustrated with the manager at the end that I realised, oh, I handed over my authority. And now I'm getting frustrated with someone who didn't even know that I'd handed them the, the authority. And I think so often, this is just a really small thing, but so often in life, God says, I want to use you. Holy Spirit starts talking to us and we tell someone else and expect that it's going to happen. You see, so many of us think that somebody else has a better way of doing what God's asked us to do. Somebody else is more intelligent. Somebody else has more wisdom. Somebody else is, um, they're, just, they're just more holy than I am. God, you're just going to have to stop and wait. I just need to get a bit better in who I am. I need to be perfected. I need to just grow. 
We've got all these excuses for why God can't use us now, and yet he's just saying, you have my stamp of approval. You are completely valuable. I want to use you, and you have the authority. I think Jesus and John the Baptizer demonstrated this the best when uh, Jesus came to John the Baptizer and said, I need to be baptized. And John said, no, don't I need to be baptized by you? But Jesus even showed that he has given authority for others, for God to work through them, yeah? You have authority. When the Holy Spirit speaks, you have authority to act. Don't pass your authority on. Even if you do it in a subtle way, be careful not to hand your authority on. My third point, and this is the only other point I'm going to have this morning. I don't want to drag things out. No, no, yeah, three points. I'm thinking, don't think I'm winding up yet. Don't get too excited. <laughs> not quite yet. It's not quite that short. The first one is this. We're allowing God to interrupt us. The second one is this. We have authority. When Christ gives us the authority, he's stamped us with approval. Respond. You have the authority in Christ. And the third one is this. The kingdom realm of heaven, the culture in which our lives are built upon, is different to that of the earthly culture, the earth that we live on. And you know, sometimes in our lives there is a clash of cultures. In the moment that I ran back into Woolworths with my groceries in that shopping bag, like a crazy woman on a mission, I, if any of you saw me in that place on that day, please don't tell me. I will go red all over again. Please don't tell me if I almost knocked you over. If you hear stories about the woman who almost took me out, just say, hey, there's a great message that comes along with that. But when we are on a mission from God, sometimes we respond in a way that looks different to how everybody else is going about life. And, you know, even in regards to that little boy, as he was there with his lollipop and others were just not even thinking about it, you know, there's something called a bystander's effect. And that is that the more people that are around when a situation is happening, the less likely that help is going to come. Have you heard about that? So if you ever are involved where, where there's a crime taking place, you better hope there's only one or two people. <laughs> Tell the rest to go. Tell that one to help me. But no, the more people that are around, the less likely that someone will get help for you. And that's kind of the case with this little kid. There were lots of people around, so everyone just assumed he was with somebody else. But the kingdom realm within us reacts in a different way. And the way that we respond to circumstances needs to not be of this culture, but needs to be of the heavenly culture. I'll try and explain this a different way. In, um, in the Bible, we see that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he gives them a prayer, yes? It's called the, the Lord's Prayer, but Chad calls it the Disciples' Prayer, which I think is really cool. But it says this, you guys know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. For your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know that's a declaration for our lives every single day your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven chab was just talking now about what happened in indonesia healings took place salvations took place what is that that is heaven coming and invading earth but you and i know that here in australia often that's not what our everyday looks like however Every moment of the day, we have the opportunity for heaven 
to invade earth as we allow heavenly culture to override earthly culture. When I grew up, I lived in Uganda. And so for the ages of, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, I was in Uganda. And, you know, when I was there, life was very different. It was two different cultures. If you were to bring one of those teenagers over here, I grew up in a village. So if you were to bring them over here, they would really experience culture shock. Like really experience culture shock. You live in community, you grow up in community. The only reason you use houses is to sleep in at night and they have open windows and open doors. They cook by fires, they go and they go collect all their food together and then they come back and they cook it all together. Life is very different to what it is here, isn't it? We have houses, but we watch TV. We cook inside of them, we sleep inside of them, we have all this entertainment, we close our our homes off and we don't really do a lot of community. The cultures are very different. In the same way, the kingdom culture and the heavenly culture are quite different. And we need to more and more in our daily lives be aware of this. What do we do when our friends come and they gossip to us? Well, we don't tell them off, but we create a culture where it is uncomfortable to do that. Because that's a kingdom culture. I want my friends to know whether they know Jesus or not, that I'm not going to share gossip. I'm not going to be involved in that. I'm just using that as one example, but how in our everyday life are we allowing kingdom culture to overflow out of us and to change situations around us? I want to finish with the parable of the lost son. Does that make sense, the culture of heaven invading? I use that to say, you know, as I was running around the shopping center, I was crazy, I was wild, I was uninhibited. Because in that moment, I had a mission from God. I was finding that child. I should have done it the other way, but I didn't, so I was going about it this way. But what areas in our life, in our everyday life, are we just needing to be a lot more uninhibited, a lot more graceful, a lot more loving, a lot more um, just seeing God's kingdom and God's presence reign and rule in situations. The third parable that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and to these sinners was the parable of the lost son. And we have two sons. We have a father and two sons. And the younger of the sons comes to dad and he goes, you know what, dad? I don't really want to hang around anymore. Can you please give me my inheritance? And the dad says, okay, I'll divvy up the inheritance. And so he divvies it up. And the younger son goes, great. Thanks, dad. See you later. And basically says to his dad, thanks for your wealth, but you're now dead to me. I'm going to go off and I'm going to head off and I'm going to live my life in this direction. And, um, and he does that and he goes and he spends all his money and he has loads and loads and loads of fun. But one day, he wakes up and it's all gone. And one day, he finds himself in a place he, and he just goes, I just need food, so I'm going to offer my services to look after somebody else's pigs. Pigs is like, it's the worst of the animals. It's disgusting. It's, that's the worst place that you can be. And he doesn't only work with the pigs. He says, you know what? The pigs have got better food than I do, so I'm going to eat the pigs' I don't know what you think, but I think that's a pretty bad place to be in. When you've had all the wealth and now you've got nothing. And so 
decides one day, you know what, it'll be better to be a slave in my father's house than to continue being here with these pigs. And so he goes and he decides, I'm going back to my father's house. I'm just going to take my pride and I'm just going to go back to my father. And his father sees him coming and his father doesn't respond with, oh, what does he want? Does he want more of my money? Nah. His father goes, that is my son. I can see him and he goes running off into the distance and he goes to get his son. And when he gets to his son, his son's like, I want to just be a slave for you. I want to be a servant for you. It's better than what I've experienced. And the father goes, nah, uh, uh. No matter what, you are my son. And right at that moment, he takes his coat and he puts it on his son. He takes his ring and he puts it on his son. He takes his shoes and he puts it on his son. All of these are signs that he is welcomed back into his father's home. A code of protection. Come, be warm, be sheltered by the goodness of my love. A ring of authority. You are mine. I want you to know you are valuable, just like that coin stamped with his father's approval. You will always be mine. You will always have value. Shoes that declare that he is a son and not a slave anymore. And a party that is magnificent is thrown. Because that's what he deserves. Is it? According to God, it is. According to the heavenly way of living, it is. You see, in the story of the shepherd and the sheep, God represents God and God leaves the 99 to find the one and in the story of the coin the woman leaves nine to find the one and in the story of this father he leaves one son to go to the other the the other son was put out he wasn't a happy fella I've served you all these days God uh, father you just haven't thrown me a party that's the father heart of God isn't it Father, heart of God. You know, this mother, when I gave her her child back, she just goes, you found him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what she did with the lollies, but if I was his mum, I would have bought them all and said, have a feast, my boy. I mean, I think he was lost for a good 10 minutes. That's how long I was watching him. There's two sides to this story. There's, it's a bit of a coin. It's a bit of a flip. You're in this place and you love God, you've got a relationship with Him. Then the three initial points are for you. Allow your life to be interrupted. Take authority in all areas. Come on, be strong, be courageous. Take authority. What's my third one? Allow the kingdom of heaven culture to invade your everyday life. And more and more. And if you are lost, if you do not know God, if you are perhaps a bit like that child in the lolly shop, not in the lolly part of the shops, and you are enjoying life, you're eating good things, you're drinking, you're having a fine, merry time. But I just want you to know that out there is the Father in heaven and He's looking 
down and he says, you know what, I want relationship with you. I don't know um, how many of you are saved in this room, but I got saved not because I was desperate for God and I needed a crutch, but because I saw how amazing and good he was. And I think that's the same for a lot of us. We didn't get saved because, you know, we felt like we needed salvation for all our bad sin. I mean, I was only nine. How much sin could I have committed? But I saw the goodness of who he was and I understood the important component that he created in my life. I wanted to walk in the kingdom realm, not always just in the earth. If you're like that coin, you're like, I I have no value. You know what, if you ask me what I've done with my life, it's not really worth that much. So I don't even know why God would want a relationship with me. Because he's your father. And I don't know about you, but I desperately seek to have relationship with all of my children in a loving, beautiful way. And you know what? If there's anyone in here this morning and you're actually struggling with it being Mother's Day, because you are separated from your children at the moment, just hear the mother's heart of God where he says, I understand. There's some of my children that might be missing as well. But stamped upon each and every one of your lives, whether you know God or not, is the value of approval by God. I made you, I created you, you are valuable. And the third thing is this. There may be someone in this room who has, or listening to me, and you have actually asked God for all the spoils of his wealth, and then you've turned around and you've gone, I once knew you, I once did things for you, but you know what? I want nothing more to do with you. And the thing that the Father says to you is just come back home. I welcome you. I want to put my coat back on you. I want to put my ring on your finger. And I just want to welcome you back home. I don't know whether that applies to any of you this morning, but this is a good chance to respond. So let's stand together. You know, I got given a watch today, Mother's Day. I requested a watch too, so don't get me wrong. At the start of this year, I woke up with the biggest watch face in my mind. I'm a big, big dreamer. Like, but I just woke up at the start of the year and I just saw a watch face. And I just got the sense that it's time. And over the course of the year thus far, I've just had watches on my mind. And, and this one I really, I really liked. And actually in the last week, I looked up the colours white and gold. Uh, who got that prophetic look from Adam the other week? Yeah, so you can look up different images. And the watch that I've had in my mind is white with gold. Today is the day that you want to be 
has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.